What's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you in public? Uh, I've embarrassed myself so many times in public, it hurts to think about it. Um, but I do remember a few years back being invited to an archdeacon's house for dinner. Uh, it was a bit of a posh occasion. And of course, I was on my uh, very best behaviour, as you would be. And uh, when we sat down to eat, I was sitting on a really gorgeous chair. It was uh, very ornate, and I commented on how lovely it was. And the archdeacon said, yes, it was uh, one of his most prized possessions. Uh, it was a chair from the Georgian period that had been um, handed down through the generations of his family. You can guess where this story is going, can't you? The dinner is in full flow, everything's going well, and uh, I'm making a great impression so far. And the archdeacon then tells a funny joke, and I lean back in the chair, laughing hard, and you've guessed it. The back of the chair splinters into pieces, and I end up on my back, on the floor, with the remains of this uh, family heirloom balanced across my legs. Um, I was never invited back again for dinner. I wonder why. Public embarrassments are awful things, aren't they? And the reading we've just heard from the Gospel about this wedding at Cana in Galilee is a story about a major social embarrassment and about how Jesus saves the day. But it's about more than that as well, because this is a story about how we can relate to Jesus in our everyday lives, not just on a Sunday, and how Jesus can make a difference, a really positive difference, to how we live our lives on a daily basis. So I want to uh, focus the next few minutes on the parts of the story that we often overlook, which is how people responded to Jesus in this situation, and what it is that we can learn for ourselves about how we might respond to Jesus in our own lives. And the first thing to say is simply this, that Jesus was invited to the party. Now this might seem like a really strange thing to say, but in verse two it says, Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Jesus was not viewed as being antisocial or a killjoy. Jesus was clearly fun to be around. Uh, there was something about Jesus that people felt comfortable with. And they weren't afraid to have him at their party when the wine was flowing freely. Now Jesus uh, wants to be a part of your life. But how do you view Jesus? What do you think about him being in your life? Do you think Jesus is your killjoy? Does the thought of being in a relationship with Jesus sort of take the fun out of your life? Do you keep Jesus in a little Sunday box where you can be all religious in church, but you pack him away for the rest of the week uh, so that you can go about your fun unimpeded by this stern killjoy image of Jesus that you may have created in your own mind. Well, if so, then you're worshipping the wrong Jesus. You're worshipping a Jesus self-created in your own mind and not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible gets invited to the party and people know that he is fun to have around. That's the Jesus who wants to get involved in your life. So why not invite him into the fun parts of your life? Why not invite him to your party? And the second thing to say is this, that Jesus was a family man. 
and he knows your struggles. Uh, Jesus wasn't married, of course, but he was a family man. He had brothers and sisters and cousins and a mum and dad, and his family was important to him. Um, and it was probably a family wedding that Jesus was attending that day because his mother Mary seems to have had some sort of stewarding role at the wedding, which is why in verse 3 she notices that the wine has run out and comes to Jesus with the problem. Now, many of us are blessed with families, uh, but we all know the problems that come with that. Uh, maybe caring for elderly or sick parents, uh, looking after children, perhaps multiple children, and the demands on our time with that. Uh, maybe caring for grandchildren during the week, or trying to navigate a difficult relationship with a brother or sister. Family hassles, we all have them at one time or another. And Jesus was a family man too, so he knows all about your issues, and he can relate to that. So again, you can pray to him about all that stuff in confidence, confident in the knowledge that he hears and he understands, and he will stand with you through his own experience in all the stresses and anxieties that family life breeds. And thirdly, we are happiest in our lives when we are obedient to Jesus. Now, this may sound like a uh, strange thing to say, because we all want a bit of freedom in our lives to do whatever we want. Um, that's only natural. Of course it is. But Jesus doesn't take our freedom away. Instead, he creates safe boundaries around our lives so that we can know joy to the max. And it's when we are obedient to those boundaries that we are at our happiest. Um, when we look at this story from John's Gospel, we see that shift in thinking in Mary, the mother of Jesus. In verse 3, Mary relates to Jesus as a mother does to her eldest son and comes to him with a problem. She says, they have no more wine. But just a few moments later, her relationship with Jesus is transformed when she tells the servants at the wedding, do whatever he tells you. In a matter of moments, she moves from thinking about Jesus as her son and starts thinking about him as her Lord. Now, I think that this is crucial for us if we want to allow Jesus the space to make a difference in our lives. Um, like Mary, when we pray to God, we can just name the problem and leave it with him. We can do just that whenever we pray to God name the problem and leave it with him. But, and here's the crucial bit, when Jesus comes up with a solution, we must have the courage and the obedience to follow his will. As Mary says here, do whatever he tells you. Now, sometimes that's quite hard to do. Um, we might name a problem to God and as we pray, we might get a sense of what we need to do to get a solution to that problem. But we may not like the answer. And so we're tempted to say to God, well, thanks for the advice. Thanks for that solution. Have you got any other options? Name the problem, but then be obedient to the solution, no matter how hard it may appear to be. 
And don't you think that the servants at the wedding would have thought Jesus was a bit crazy by asking for 180 gallons of water to be brought to him? They would have wondered what this crazy carpenter was going to do with all that water. But without questioning, they obeyed him and the miracle happened. And so it can be in our lives. Name your problem before God. Leave it with him and obey the response. That is the only way to true happiness. So this is a uh, fascinating story that is about so much more than just a miracle by Jesus because it teaches us so much about how we can relate to Jesus in our everyday lives, seven days a week. Uh, Jesus wants to make such a profound difference in our lives. Jesus wants us to know joy and happiness and to have life in all its fullness. Jesus understands. Jesus cares. And maybe we need to start thinking about Jesus in a fresh way so that the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, can be fully active in our lives, leading us into the future of joy and happiness that we long for.